Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me is Jeremy Feinstone. As usual, we are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we're going to be talking the finals and semifinals of the World Tag League 2023 and uh, the crowning of Bishamon as the first three-time champion. We're going to talk all about that, break down those two cards. We're going to take a look ahead to the Road to Wrestle Kingdom shows that are coming up from Corican Hall. Then we're going to take a look back into Tetsuya Naito's main event, History at Wrestle Kingdom. A lot to go over. We'll also discuss the passing of Osamu Kito, one of the Kido, uh, one of the uh, originals, uh, New Japan originals, who passed away a few days ago. As always, plenty to discuss. Jeremy, the World Tag League is over. It had a strong ending, I thought. And uh, at the end, we've got uh, the champs standing tall. Not the ending I thought it was going to be. Uh, I kind of thought we would have uh, a different route and direction going into Wrestle Kingdom for the tag team titles. But their decision is to have the strong titles and the IWGP tag team titles to be uh, defended together moving forward. Not unified. Well, to be clear on that, not unified, but defended together. So uh, that is a pivot. It feels like a lot of these belts that were introduced in the last few years in New Japan are suddenly either moving sideways or disappearing or being merged. And uh, this is just part of the trend. So Bishamon, uh, that's Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, of course, became the first three-time champs of the World Tag League, three in a row. They are the first to win it as the IWGP World Tag Team Champions. We've mentioned many times, this is usually about creating a challenger. Instead, they went with the champions. Now, I will admit that I misread this as well, and I don't feel bad about that because they've never done yeah. this before. They've never had the champs win before. So I, was thinking, so I was thinking, like, what are they trying to tell us? Well, on this show, we have been advocating for a long time for the tag team division to be shored up. We had a feeling they wanted to go with Aussie Open as the flagship tag team, and they lost Aussie Open to, to AEW. So I believe that we were headed for a coronation of a new team. Instead, they went the other route, which is making their current homestead team, Bishamon, into the Mount Everest of the tag team division. Their idea being to strengthen the division through strengthening the champions. So make the champions look as good as possible so that they become the mountain to climb, not somebody coming in and reestablishing the division from scratch. It's, it's just a different way of doing what I think is the same thing, which is to plant the flag with a team. I think they just decided to plant it with their own guys there, Bishamon, and they just are going to make the champions as strong as humanly possible. And they did it. Now they're going into Wrestle Kingdom against Hikaleo and El Fantasmo. Uh, who are the NJPW strong champions, like you mentioned. It'll be a title versus title match. And uh, the winning team will come out with both belts. Like you said, not combining them. But it is interesting what's going on with the strong titles and that one of them is going into this triple crown and the other one is going to end up in a double tag team thing, just like the All Japan titles were. So uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing. It makes me wonder if there is another repackaging of the strong brand or a new concept coming because they seem to be folding the titles in with more important ones. Yeah, it... They're merging titles. They're moving titles around. It feels like they're trying to reestablish a hierarchy of both the tag division immediately 
and make sure that the titles are streamlined in such a way that the booking doesn't handicap themselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to have Bisham on defending both titles, maybe that means that they'll be the, like the world tag defending champions, but in the U S they only defend the strong titles and in Japan. They only defend the IWGP titles. Um, it's an interesting way to do it, but that also predicates that you split up these titles. And maybe it would be something that at the end of the year, whoever holds each belt may, faces each other in some way, shape, or form. Kind of maybe they're doing the same thing with the Triple Crown uh, in AEW because there's going to be a belt holder going into next year's Triple Crown uh, Continental Classic, presumably. And then they're going to put the belt up but are they going to be walking away with the belt next year? So that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic about some of these belts. It's hard to see what the end game is with all of these belts, but I like the decretion, the decrease of the number of belts in New Japan rather than making more and more and more. And that goes for the global title as well. Yeah, we did find out that that new championship that John Moxley, Will Osprey, and David Finlay will be wrestling for will be called the global title. That's just what they're going to bring up. So uh, I don't know if it really is going to be on the level or if they want it to be on the level of the IWGP title. It's not necessarily the same situation as the WWE title and the Universal title and the you know World Heavyweight title mm-hmm. all being allegedly on the same level. Although Roman Reigns still feels like he's a little on the higher plane than the rest, but. Uh, we don't know if that's what they're going for. I don't think it is. I think it's still going to be kind of been slightly underneath. Like maybe that's like maybe this is them just simply acknowledging we shouldn't have burned the Intercontinental title when we had it. So uh, you know that was a, a situation there. That's going to be the global championship. And Ben Bjorn is here, and he mentions saw today on Twitter. I saw this too. Someone listing Bishamon's accomplishments, and they're very impressive. You know they they had already held both titles earlier this year. Remember they had the thing where in two days they wrestled the War Dogs and lost one of them to the War Dogs, lost the other to uh, or and kept the other, all that stuff. And Kyle Fletcher just replied with "lost to Aussie Open." So that was his <laughs> response to their whole list of accomplishments. That one of their accomplishments was losing to uh, Aussie Open. And yeah. Uh, certainly we're all looking forward to Mark Davis coming back and seeing what they're going to do in AEW and uh, hopefully back in uh, New Japan on, you know, a case-by-case basis. So we'd love to see. We loved Aussie Open, uh, still do, and hope they recover fully and, and love to see more of them against these guys. But Bishamon is one of the best tag teams in the world, and they proved it with their performances in a couple of these matches here we saw in the semifinals and the finals. A couple of strong uh, pardon the pun, uh, strong uh, wrestling uh, cards there. This was a, we were down to just two shows this week instead of the six we've been talking about week after week before, but they were good. I, I had fun watching wrestling this week. There was a lot of wrestling to watch this week. And thankfully, the World Tag League was among the best wrestling that we got to watch. Frankly speaking, uh, I ended up watching everything across the sun, AEW, WWE, and JPW, and the stuff that stuck with me the most was New Japan. And uh, I was tremendously pleased. I was a little curious about, uh, as I was telling you offline, if you go into the New Japan world and they have the rankings of all the matches as the popularity, uh, a lot of the matches in the middle of the tournament are very, very popular. But once the results kind of 
came out about who won and where, uh, the interest kind of waned in, in seeing it through. But it's also a 40-minute match, so there is a commitment in making time for that one as well. So it's a little bit of call A, perhaps a little bit of call B. <laughs> Should we start breaking down the semifinals and finals? Yes, yes, yes. All yes. right. So we started with the uh, Miyama Forest Sports Park Makizono Arena. These are some fun names of these venues here in Kagoshima for the semifinals. 1,104 people showed up, though. Not a bad crowd. And uh, they saw that uh, that semifinal night. We'll run through the undercard. It wasn't the, it, it was good wrestling, but there wasn't a whole lot of story to it. Although there was some stuff. We had uh, the Bullet Club. That was Bad Luck Fale, Jack Bonza, and Taiji Ishimori. They defeated uh, Master Wato, Yuto Nakashima, and Oscar Loibe when Bonza hit the pile driver on Nakashima. So that was a bit of a consolation prize uh, for Bonza, who has uh, been carrying that team with Bad Luck Fale. Uh, all through and getting his reps in. So again, we mentioned it last week. Bonza did fine. Uh, nothing really wrong. Nothing really spectacular. But this was all part of his overall development, rather than any kind of a big bursting coming out party for him. Yeah, uh, he was fine this entire tournament. I, he's clearly the pet project of Fale, but. Mm -hmm. I don't know when and if I care when I see him again, and I don't. I feel kind of bad about that, but I also don't. Well, it's fine. Yeah, I understand. He's he's going to go back to the Tamashi and some of the groups around Australia and Oceania, and uh, and he'll get more reps and continue to work. But this was just this is just about getting him on a, a stage here. I don't think it's uh, any kind of intent to bring him on as a major part of the roster going forward. Mm -hmm. After that, we did see uh, a bit of a Suzuki Goon reunion here. Uh, Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and Alex Zane, uh, with uh, saying uh, taking on and defeating the Great Okan, Hanari, and Callum Newman. Newman doing the job on that one when Zane hit the taco driver on him. And uh, Dunstan Williams mentions that the Folly Dojo hasn't produced anyone. Uh, yeah, it's a little early, but remember that Nakashima and Loibe were there, and I think those guys are both going to end up being something right there. They they came part of that as well. Uh, so, you know, they can kind of have a bit of a claim on those guys. But, uh, you know, Alex Zane and Larcher, I was very happy with them and their performance in the tournament. I thought the dynamics with Suzuki and Archer were interesting. That was fun. It's been and a it year, was a you know? <laughs> and they mentioned afterwards that maybe this could be the new six-person tag team here. Uh, Suzuki saying, uh, you know, what strong monster sauce. She could be the name of the team right there. And the, hey, it doesn't uh, seem like you've got a whole lot going on right now. <laughs> he mentioned Ren Narita, of course. Uh, that was part of the team there, the uh, strong style tag team with El Desperado. And he made a point of saying that, you know, Narita, I consider you an enemy now. Uh, that was a point that he made in the backstage comments. So, yeah, uh, strong style, good and dead. And from what we're seeing with Desperado coming Speaking up. Of strong style. He is indeed a, uh, a member of Hantai, basically, right now. So, yeah, that's uh, that's it. So, Suzuki needs a place, uh, you know, but strong monster sauce. That's not a bad idea for a trio going forward. Yeah, I don't see why uh, Zane and Archer aren't a part of Hantai as well, frankly speaking. Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably heading that direction there. Yeah, so. So they're, they're, they are, they're repping the lion mark, if they say. <laughs> House of Torture after that one. That was Evil Show and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. They defeated Taguchi, Oiwa, and Kiyomiya. This one was entertaining. It was 9 minutes, 23 seconds. But in the middle of this, uh, Taguchi 
to try to counter Yoshinobu Kanemaru and his Suntory surprise, the, the whiskey, he chugged a bunch of sake and then did a drunken master gimmick, uh, which was actually kind of funny. I thought I, I, I enjoyed that, actually. It was sure. one of those things Why where not, he, right? he kind of staggered around, but he would stagger directly into show on the apron and elbow him off, or he would... A uh, guy would go to do a move to him and he would stumble underneath the guy's move, you know, like duck the clothesline unintentionally. And if you've seen the Jackie Chan movie Drunken Master, you know exactly what he's doing. And uh, he actually did it pretty funny. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. It's better than the butt stuff. So how are you feeling about these multi-match kind of things going on with House of Torture with the show right now? Where it just feels like the mat, the whole like how the torture vibe spills over into a second match, and the story kind of is narratively telling you that it's all like connected. Do you like that, or do you not like that? It, it doesn't bother me in this case because the whole idea of there a storyline going on throughout a show of particularly in this case Shota Umino trying desperately to get his hands on Ren Narita, and there being all kinds of obstacles in his way. I think we'll make that final payoff a little bit better. So in this case here, I don't know if I want to see it long-term, but if it if it means something happening in a match, which leads to something in another match where Shota is trying to get at Ren mm-hmm. and they're finding inventive ways to keep Ren away from him, I, I, I'm okay with that part of it. Okay. Yeah, I think I am too. I just, like, I wanted to get a little bit of a room read because if you don't like House of Torture... I wonder if it's going to be more of an immediate turnoff that like the middle of the show is just all house of torture all the time. Mm -hmm. But you know, once you get past a certain threshold of the the show, like it's all in the rear view mirror and then you're moving on to more main event stuff. Um, I'm never really at a point with house of torture where like get them off my TV. I hate them. I just, I've made my, I've made my devil's bargain with who they are and and know that this is what this is what it is. And I've somewhat I've somewhat made peace with it. So it's fine when they're on there. At least this is fresh. You know? It's just it's a breath of fresh air. It's not the same house torture stuff. It's a breath of fresh air. It's also an upgrade in work levels for the group because mm-hmm. show is good. But he kind of wrestles like he's not now, unfortunately. And same thing with Evil. We know Watanabe is a good wrestler, but the Evil gimmick is—I uh, mean—and Watanabe can have good matches, and, and you know some of these Evil matches are all right. But uh, Yujiro is not good. He, he's the only guy in the company I think who's just a bad wrestler. And then you just have Kanemaru and Narita, who are both excellent. So at least I think the match quality standpoint is improving for the group. Yeah, they uh, the House of Torture definitely needs to shake the stink of Evil and Goon 1, 2, and 3 in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And even if show has crazy Goon energy instead of just Goon <laughs> 1 energy, it doesn't make him any less of just a Goon. And mm-hmm. right now, even even with the having the brief reign of the King of Pro Wrestling and having a little bit of uh, crazy-eyed personality coming out... Uh, Obviously, Red Narita just immediately jumps near to the top of the the hierarchy there, and he is going he's going to legitimize House of Torture moving forward. Flaming Shark says, if anything, House of Torture is kind of growing on me a bit. At the very least, they're doing something a bit more interesting with them. And Kanemaru and Narita are both very good wrestlers. One hundred percent. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, oh, he also mentions this, Shark. Uh, I didn't see this coming. I'm all for having the tag belts united and the strong singles belt folded in the triple crown. Just need to unify the strong and IWGP women's titles now. And there's not a whole lot of use for both of those belts at the point. They're barely using either one of them individually. Uh, Dunstan says loyalty is a big thing in Japan, which oh, yeah. is why we still have Yujiro and Owens uh, holding up the roster, sadly. Very fair point. This They are loyal to people who are loyal to them. Not the worst quality in the world, is it? I suppose we can handle a Yujiro Takahashi match uh, once in a while in exchange for loyalty to people who have served the company well. And, and Yujiro has. It, I, my issue with Yujiro is effort. I don't think he puts a lot in. So that that's more my thing uh, with with huge, but uh, yeah, it's it's fair to say that he has stayed with the company and stayed loyal to us, so they're loyal to him. Yeah, that's true. And, and Flaming Shark, can we please <laughs> just have Yujiro go away? Yes, uh, Dick and Evil are at least amusing. Yeah, Togo, Togo kind of gets me because at his age, he's still pretty good. Well, I don't know what it is though. These guys in Japan, man, they can go into their fifties like Kojima and Nagata. And and even uh, and Dick Togo is pretty damn good still. Takamichi Noku is still really good. It just they they just last. Um, and Flaming Shark says I kind of like Chase Owens. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like Chase too. I got a little bit of a soft spot for Chase. I mean, I'm not trying to say he's a great worker. I think he provides a valuable service as a guy who can have good matches. I don't think Yujiro does. He can have a good match, and then he protects the rest of Bullet Club. So I do think there's a good purpose for chase owens in there because i do i do think he can wrestle well when he's in the right guys he's a good wrestler yeah i got no issue with chase owens there we go so chase owens slander i get it <laughs> but i don't i don't have it <laughs> the house of torture hijinks though continued in the next match so it was going to be shoto umino and tomoaki honma against ren narita and yujiro takahashi so narita just attacked honma in the aisle as he's coming out so, of course, we know that Umino comes in through the crowd and does the whole thing with the uh, you know, bracelets and he high fives all the fans and he's doing all the PR work. Well, Narita just attacked Honma and beat the hell out of him. And then Yujiro managed to get Umino on the floor and choked him with that staff he carries around, the big walking stick. And Shota never got to the ring. And so in 43 seconds... He hit what is an X factor, but he has decided to call it the double cross. He liked that name a little bit better. So when Ren Narita does it, it's a double cross. And uh, in 43 seconds, he pinned Hanma and then got out of the ring before Omino could. So this entire match was just an angle to show that Omino wants to get at Narita, and Narita just wants to tease that, first of all, from a working standpoint, from a storyline standpoint. It's an FU to Omino in addition to everything else he's done to him. I'm not even going to stay in the ring with you and let you get a hand on me. This is one of my favorite things of the entire two show of the semi of the the world tag league semis in the finals. Just the whole like forty three seconds. It mm. was very clever, and it mm. it uh, it elevated the tension for the entire feud. And I know that we talked about whether or not I wanted to see this at Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm still not sure. And I don't know. There's two more shows in which they could decide whether they're going to put this on Wrestle Kingdom. And right now, I'm kind of leaning towards they're going to put it on WrestleMania. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't have any doubt in my mind it's going to be a, a featured. I just uh, I wanted match. I wanted more than 10, 12 minutes. You know what I mean? I like for them to. I don't know. Like I just you, you might get it. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom shows aren't short. There's yeah. I, they've been there have been seven they could, hour they Wrestle could Kingdom. But you know what I mean? It's like sometimes we get mm -hmm. these forty minute like epics at the top of the card, and I kind of just want that to Red and Shota. And mm -hmm. I know one day I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to get 40 minutes of them like oh, yeah. each other. I just want it now. 
But the, well, okay, fair enough. But I, I think their first encounter will yes. not be that. The first encounter is going to be more of an angle. They're they're going to have more to get to that big main it's event a, drag out classic. The first one's not going to be that. That one's going to be a little teaser for it. It's almost like when we saw the first Wrestle Kingdom matchup between Naito and uh, Okada, it didn't go as long as their next matchups. That's true. <laughs> and uh, Vankin says, Shota comes in through the crowd like Moxley. Yes. Uh, and they mentioned that that's, a, that's something that he learned from Moxley, although he does it differently than Mox does. He does come in through various entrances, sometimes in the upper deck, sometimes just from behind or wherever. It's a random spot, like similar to Moxley, except he also comes out and he has all these bracelets that he gives to little kids and he's high-fiving everybody. And, and it's, it's just a whole big uh, PR campaign for classic babyface stuff from Shoto Amino on that. And uh, Dunstan's, <laughs> Dunstan, Dunstan's coming in hot today. He says, Ren's new finisher sucks. He doesn't like the X Factor. Uh, so, well, you know, it, it does look like he's going with that one. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going away because they've now named it and he's made a whole point of saying that that's what he's going to do. It's the double cross. So uh, X factor for his finisher. Let's take a look at what else we had here. Oh, uh, we had an interesting match here next. El, uh, El Soberano Jr., Atlantis Jr., Bishop Khan, and Toa Leona. So we had Team CMLL and the Gates of Agony teaming up to face Toriano, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Kazuchika Okada. And the Gates of Agony hit the gates uh, on Yano to win in a fun match. This one had a lot of energy to it. Of course, you have Ishii, Okada, Tanahashi was in a good mood. You know, Yano was fun. So th this was a good match. Soberano and Atlantis uh, are, are fabulous. And I tell you what, the Gates of Agony, going to talk about them a little more on finals night. But uh, I like what I saw here. I like what I thought, too. I feel like they're going to be a better tag team and a better act coming back to AEW. But I don't know if AEW is going to use and Ring of Honor is going to use them that well. So it's kind of like a damned if you do and damned if you don't, but we'll get there too. <laughs> Shark I love this from Shark. Shark nails it. Mox goes through the crowd because he doesn't care. Shooter goes through the crowd because he cares too much. Wow. Confucius <sighs> over here. Man, I, I love our viewers so much. That's so, great. Actually, yeah. that, is, that is incredibly insightful. I tip my cap to that. Exactly correct. All right. After that, we had the Just Five Guys group. Only four of them, actually. Taka wasn't in this one. Uh, it was uh, Doki, Yuya, Uemura. I've been working on the pronunciation, Yuya. I'm going to get it right. Uemura, Taichi. Uemura. It's a mouthful for me for some reason. <laughs> uh, teaming up with the world champion, Sonata. They defeated the LIJ contingent of Shingo, Takagi, Yoda Suji, Bushi, and Zandokan Jr. And uh, Uemura hit the deadbolt suplex on Bushi. And this led to something that I talked about. If these yes. two were going to be in the yes. preview matches, Uemura and Suji staring each other down. So I'm not sure this is going to be a Wrestle Kingdom match, although it wouldn't bother me. But I have a feeling we're going to be seeing this rivalry take a step forward in 2024. I agree. Um, they have been diligent in protecting both of these guys from getting pinned unnecessarily. And uh, I think that there is a reason for that. I think we're going to be creating hierarchies in which two of these former young lions and two other of these former young lions are going to be clashing with each other. And then they'll be dancing with doing dance partner switch ups throughout the year and uh, we're going to get a really a sense of these guys making an impact on the roster on their own rather than at the bottom of each of their stables and uh, separations. 
Vankin mentions is something for New Year's Dash. That would be a good place for it, really, if you're not going to do it in the Dome. Because, you know, the thing about that, it, the Dome is kind of like the season finale, whereas New Year's Dash is like the season premiere. You know, the, and the new storylines start to start uh, begin there. So I wonder what New Year Dash is going to be like this year. It could be a mystery vortex, but yeah. um, if they're if they're smart, they'll they'll try and strike with the iron cot with the people that have watched Trevor Wrestling. Yuya versus Yota on the card would be good, uh, according to Dunstan. Uh, and I can see them using it as a reference later on when a title is involved. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is a way to do that, too. So y- y- they could. You know, we, we, I don't think we have the whole Wrestle Kingdom card yet. And we're going to we're going to yeah. go down what we got so far. And uh, I think that that could that could very well be added. Could very well be. And uh, and yeah, you're right. You could do something with it. One of the guys either beats the other. Uh, and then they mentioned that uh, that's the that guy's going to be coming back to try to get that win back for a while. There's all kinds of ways you can tell that story. So could certainly be there. I, I found out one thing while I was researching keto, by the way, hmm. new year's dash used to be an entire tour. They used to call the, the first tour of the year, new year's dash. And it was go oh, yeah. on for three weeks and they would hit all the towns with that. And it, not all that. Uh, it, they've made it just one show now, one big important show at Oda Ward. But in the end, that was just the name of the tour. I found out. Just kicking that around. Interesting fact. Semifinals were up next. It was the Gorillas of Destiny, Hikaleo and El Fantasmo against the Mighty Don't Kneel, Haste and Nichols. So this match was uh, excellent, as you would figure from these four guys. Long El Fantasmo sell early in this one. That led to the Hikaleo hot tag, which is the dynamic that works best for that team, of course. Hikaleo ended up hitting a choke slam, but TMDK avoided the ELP splash at about the 20-minute mark. After that, it was the two teams hitting their finishers or trying to hit their finishers on each other with varying degrees of success. Finally, Hikaleo got the choke slam on haste and picked up the win. This match was very, very good, and it surprised the heck out of me because I thought TMDK was going to win the thing. But uh, a good match, and uh, again, uh, just building toward that whole thing of establishing the two teams with the belts as the two best teams which I guess I can't bitch about, can I? So, uh, but TMDK, I think, is going to be in the title picture for a long time. They truly are one of the best teams in the world. And the whole idea of them being the best team to never win the IWGP championship can carry them to the point that uh, whenever they're ready to pull the trigger on that, that'll always be in the back pocket. Yeah, I was definitely surprised that TMDK didn't win this match. But, you know... 2023 is the year where if you bet against Hikaleo, you're going to look like a fool. (laughs) (laughs) In it, though. And uh, that that came true yet again at the World Tag League. We didn't expect. We didn't expect that. Hold on a second. B. Shimon and the War Dogs were up next. This Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin. This one went 20 minutes, 47 seconds, and uh, was the main event of the semifinal night. The War Dogs tried to jumpstart B. Shimon in the aisle, but apparently they forgot that both members of B. Shimon carry big staffs, and they ended up getting their ass kicked for it. But uh, as they fought in the crowd, the War Dogs managed to regain the advantage. So by the time it actually got in the ring, the heels were on top. Uh, they controlled a lot of it, especially because they were losing in the end. Uh, and then we got the ref bump, which we hadn't really gotten much of in this show. Uh, so we, we got the ref bump here in this one. Uh, chairs were thrown in the ring. Uh, they even tried to hit uh, Bishamon with the uh, ring steps. And, of course, in, J- in Japan, they don't use the steps in the corners like WWE does. They have that little ladder thingy that uh, the Young Lions put up there. They tried to use that. Uh, they did this whole sequence of one guy's in the middle of the ring. Some guy hits him 
flattens him. Then that guy gets flattened. Then that guy gets flattened until all the guys are down. And we hadn't seen as much of that in New Japan, although it seems like we were getting it every show for a while. They did it here, and it got a big crowd pop. It really works, and it just shows you that if you don't do these things every single time, uh, it works a little bit better. Coughlin ended up hitting a pump handle into a DVD, which looked great. I just love that. That should be the way he gets guys up on his shoulders for that from now on. Yoshihashi did kick out of that, though, and then he went on to hit a crucifix bomb on Coughlin to win. Uh, good stuff again. We mentioned that the War Dogs getting the push here all the way to the semifinals, but big things ahead, we believe, for Gabe Kidd. So not surprised that the War Dogs didn't win it. Uh, Bishamon into the finals. I think 2024 is going to be very kind to Bullet Club. And uh, mm -hmm. this is just ways to hold off on pulling the trigger on them before you want to just go full steam ahead. And that's totally fine. It's not a matter of if on these guys. It's a matter of when. And uh, Bishamon has been looking great in a resurgent year, even though they've been back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back winners. They, you know, they they weren't going as strong as they have been in, in the last couple of, like, in parts of the year when they didn't have to. But then they had to pick up the reins this year, and ever since then, you know, they've been they've been really really good. And this was probably the right call to just uh, keep them strong so that the tag division remained strong. Yoshihashi, by the way, just a model for perseverance. <laughs> just if you just stick with it, by God, you're going to get rewarded because for years he was kind of the mid-level guy in chaos. And, and now he's a real main eventer with Goto. Like this mm -hmm. is this is truly one of the better teams in the world. So uh, he found his confidence some, sometime in this in this tag uh tag run with uh Goto. In the yeah. last three years, he found something that he has been missing for a long. Let's go into some of the comments before we go on to the finals night. Uh, Venkin mentions that a random Omega tag at New Year's Dash ain't happening again. No, it's not. That was pretty cool, though, when you did team with uh, with Okada there out of the blue. Yeah, that was an interesting night, wasn't it? Because you were just kind of making a little list because it was the mystery vortex. And it, Okada came out, and he, you're just like, well, there aren't that many people that were on the show that aren't. Oh, shoot. Kenny. <laughs> and then, and then you know, or no, Kenny came out first. That's what it was. It was the other way around. Kenny came out first, and then you heard the coin drop. And, and he was like, oh, them, who could like, my partner be? And then he was like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, no, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm well, fine. <laughs> I, that's what it was. I was looking at the list, and I was I remember this. And I was looking at the list and just saying, oh, are they going to do that? Because that's the only guy that hasn't been here yet. But Okada is on a point where he might not be on Dash. So you're just kind of sitting there like waiting, waiting, and then the coin drop happened. You're like, yes. Uh, Shark says, TMDK definitely will win the titles eventually. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, sometime after ZSJ drops the TV title. Makes sense because, you know, they try to keep those titles distributed for the most part. And uh, Dunstan, I, I gave up after the War Dogs lost. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. If you go to the rankings, uh, a lot of the, the, the finals, the single match final of uh, Bishamon versus Gorillas of Destiny is way down, way, way, way down the list of single matches watched in popularity on the rankings. There's not it a 1 for minutes. 20, but it's it's down there. You got to look for it. Yeah, but they were a good highlight for the league. Absolutely, they were. They, they had a lot of the best matches in there. Uh, Venkin just says, I don't know what the goal is. We had uh, Kid attack Kingston for a title shot, but the title is... Uh, in the C, uh, the C two at the moment, uh, and and when is this match happening? Eh, we don't know. I mean, they might do it at uh, they might do it in San Jose. Uh, I, I, I got to support. I, I got to support. I don't think Kingston is losing the C two. 
<laughs> and then, yeah, and then the other side of that too is uh, Gabe Kidd has a match on Saturday against Will Osprey. That's when that thing's going on over at Rev Pro. Just a big couple of months for that dude. And uh, Dunst says, "Fair point, Jeremy." Uh, but by uh, new beginning, if the War Dogs aren't holding tag gold, something's wrong with Ghetto. Well, let's see. They've got a lot of time. What is new them. beginning? February. Mm. That's usually when that happens. Yeah, it's just right after. Usually, right after uh, Fantastic Mania ish. So, I think the War Dogs and TMDK are both highly likely to be sharing those titles between each other. But it's just a matter. I don't know if something's wrong with Ghetto because, in my mind, the first guy that needs to be holding title in 2024 for Bullet Club Finley. Like, he needs to be the guy setting the tone of what Bullet Club is in a lot of ways. And, you know, like, his example sets the tone. So if, like, and even though, like, the junior tag heavy, junior tag titles are with um, the War Dogs down there, they might lose them. And then going into 2024, if Finley uh, getting a shot at, uh, either winning the global title or winning something like the New Japan Cup or winning the title by Dominion. And then the rest of it is just slow, methodically Bullet Club owning New Japan in a lot of ways. And it's just who's going to like break the grip of Finley and the rest of uh, the rest of Bullet Club. I think that might be the story. And I don't know if Ghetto should be faulted if that's if that's the direction you want to go. I got a little theory here. I'm going to get to a couple of these comments here because they, it leads to the same thing, Jeremy. I've been thinking about this a lot too, as to just where the war dogs fit in, because it's obviously they, it's obvious they have big plans for them. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that maybe it's not time for them to win those belts quite yet, because they really want to show us that Finlay is the leader of Bullet Club that Ghetto thinks he is. So Coughlin's quite good, and Kid is my favorite of the more recent Young Lion graduates, according to Flaming Shark. Love Suji too, and a lot of them really, but I think Gabe Kidd is my guy of the newer crop. And then Shark also says, Ghetto is definitely loaded up for a big push for Bull Club. I don't have much doubt about that. Here's my thought on this. Doesn't either Coughlin or Kidd make a really good King of Pro Wrestling provisional champion for a little bit? Because they're they're going to recycle that belt. Remember, that goes back into the pot, into the Rambo. These guys don't have a match for Wrestle Kingdom yet. I think either one of them would be an interesting KOPW champion where you have the weird stipulations and all this if they're going to move Taichi on to something else. Taichi's been holding that. And I, I just kicked so you're thinking Coughlin for this? Either one of them. Coughlin might be a great one. And, you know, and it's just a matter of, you know, you can, you can always have them teaming together, but have one of them as the KOPW champion. I think it's a possibility. I'm just saying that that, that might be a way to get that guy, either one of them, a little bit more attention. The only thing to me is that it is entirely possible that Gabe Kidd beats Eddie Kingston when that time comes. Mm-hmm. And if that were the case, I would do that more than I would do the King of Pro Wrestling. Oh, if you're going to do that, yeah, yeah. He, he does have that kind of plan. That would leave Coughlin kind of free for something. But again... I want to be careful about who exactly has a belt where before and in what order with Bullet Club. Here's my Uh, other point about the Triple Crown thing. Yeah. 
I don't think they're going to create it and then have Eddie lose the strong title in a month. I, I oh, think, I think they're if, all three going to be defended, but it's just a matter of after Wrestle Kingdom, exactly how many dates is Gabe Kid going to need to fill for New Japan? Uh, and can he go to AEW and defend that here or there in a program? It's just all these hypotheticals that you got to think about now that you're sharing a title between two federations or promotions, essentially. Um, and so we can't dismiss these possibilities out of hand. You know, we got to think through the schedule here and there. It's like, this is why it could happen. This is why it can't happen. So, like, I don't think Gabe Kidd is beating Eddie Kingston and then going to AEW to defend it. Mm. But if we don't at least acknowledge the possibility of this, then like we're not exploring all the possibilities. Dunson says, hello, Finlay loses. Kid should win the belt off Osprey if he won. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. It's <laughs> that global title thing could go any of three ways. It really could. Like you can make a case for any of those three guys winning that match, and we're going to when we get closer to our Wrestle Kingdom preview. <laughs> uh, Colin's here. How's it going, Colin? Uh, good to see you. I'm glad Colin. you're okay after that thriller. I mean, his his Rangers made the final sixteen of the Europa League today with a uh, what is it? A late winner against Real Batiste. So uh, I'm not surprised that you're a little bit late to the show, recovering from the heart attack that match probably caused you. <laughs> and then uh, Flaming Shark says, I think Eddie or whoever ends up holding the triple crown doesn't lose it for a while. Yeah, I, I think they're going to keep that together for a good bit uh, otherwise what's the point of doing it at least until a double or nothing or dominion uh that time of year at least yeah i think so too uh, there's just no point of doing it if you're going to break it up immediately so at least a few uh, uh de defenses there and uh sharks is forbidden door as well would make sense so yeah i think it's going to be a thing for a while uh or you wouldn't have bothered with it um on the gabe kid alex coughlin note as much as the image that they want to portray is that they are ne'er-do-wells and don't care at all for New Japan. Those two are company men, and they're going <laughs> to stick hard with New Japan right now. They uh -huh. see this as their, their future. Are we ready to talk about the finals? Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, so on uh, Sunday, the uh, 10th, at Grand Messe in Kumamoto in Japan, a crowd of 2,658 Jeremy, that is the best post-pandemic crowd by a long shot. The uh, previous one was for Road to Dantaku in April, 1,655. So over 1,000 more than the second best crowd. So uh, people were into this one, at least in Kumamoto. Uh, I was into it as well here in San Jose. <laughs> the uh, opener was a dark match. We had uh, Bolton Oleg and Ryusuke Taguchi defeating Asusan and Kodai Nozaki. Now, these are two guys from Kyushu Pro Wrestling. It's a smaller promotion up there. It's just part of the Frontier Zone. And uh, Asusan is a masked wrestler whose mask is supposed to look like the Asusan Active Volcano in Japan. It looks like a cross between a Christmas tree and a traffic cone. It does look something like that. You kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting you to say that. So, good job by you. <laughs> but uh, Nozaki is an absolute unit. This dude is built like Otis from the Alpha Academy. Uh, it seems like he's actually pretty good, too. So, Kyuchu Pro, uh, he's a Kyuchu Pro uh, champion. And, uh, yeah, just just uh, wide and just huge and very strong. And uh, Asasan is a pretty big guy, too. And uh, Bolton did his deadlifts with the guy, you know, where he gets the guy in the gut wrench and 
slings him over one shoulder, then over the other, and then over the other before he does the, the fallaway suplex. And uh, he did that on a very big man, Asasan, in the match right there. But Taguchi ended up getting the roll-up on Asasan. Uh, and that was to protect uh, Nozaki, who's the company champion, so didn't want to beat him. But five minutes, 53 seconds, and uh, Nozaki might have a future. He looked kind of cool. Uh, I don't know about Asasan. Needs a new outfit. Every time, ev not every time, but near every time, I see Olin. <laughs> All in my mind, I think Oleg is going to put the bull into Bullet Club. Yeah, you've been saying it for a long time. I know it. And, and every says, time I see it, I'm like, that kind of thing is what a heel does to destroy baby faces. <laughs> Bolton is the one to look at for the next few years. And, and it's clear that they believe so. He is treated differently than any other young lion. He doesn't take the cheap shots from the main roster heels that the others have to sit through. Remember, there was a time when Jay White got racked by the middle rope every single time he helped Naito into the ring. You know, you have to take those little abuses from people like what Suzuki used to do, what Archer does. He doesn't do any of that. And that's not, a, that's not an accident. You know, they, they, and he doesn't do jobs much at all. If it, if ever anymore. And he's, if he's on the losing end of it, they have Honma take the fall or somebody like that. And he wins a lot for a young lion. It's just a whole different concept with this dude. So I have a feeling we're going and to get I am more a of a believer. And I know you're a believer too. I am. And I think we're going to get a launch more than a push with this guy. I think whenever they do make the move, it's going to be a huge one. Uh, so uh, looking forward to it though, because I, I think this guy's uh, going to be pretty talented. He's got a ways to go yet though. Ways to go. Yeah. This is all, this is all potential. And a lot of times we're just talking about potential, but there's a whole lot of potential. <laughs> There's a lot of it with this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a monster heel. Whew, yeah. Uh, Atlantis Jr., Master Watto, and El Soberano Jr., Team CMLL. Of course, that's where Watto. Watto-san was his name there with CMLL. Spent a lot of time over there in Mexico. Uh, more than he intended to, apparently. Uh, he, got, he, was, uh, he got ill for a while over there and injured and all that stuff. It was, his excursion was a long time over in Mexico, but he did well there. Uh, he uh, defeated the Mighty Don't Kneel. That was Fujita with Nichols and Haste. Uh, in the match there, uh, Haste got a smile out of Oleg, which is not easy to do by uh, twerking towards him uh, when he was headed to the ring. He just seemed like he was on a mission to crack up uh, Bolton, and he finally got him there. Uh, it, was, it was through a twerk. Uh, so Soberano was a total technico in this one, which would come into play a little bit later. Uh, fun match. Watto won with a high-angle German. Uh, Watto, 10 wins, 3 losses on the tour. So again, strong run, and I just have a feeling that they're setting him up for perhaps challenging the winner of Hiromu and Desperado. Uh, and then uh, after this one, during comments, Soberano uh, ripped off Atlantis's mask, stomped on him to get the Rudo turn that he just had in Mexico back into play, just saying, hey, I teamed with you while we were here. I showed we respect cooperated. The, Deal I cooperated. But yeah, now we're going back to Mexico. Deal and I, <laughs> I want your mask. I want your mask. So Soberano's over like hell as a heel. So uh, I, I appreciate uh, the attention to detail. Something that uh, Tony Khan could use more of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you know, the thing is, you're right. And they mentioned that part of this deal that they're doing with CMLL, Ring of Honor, all these other small promotions is that storylines can continue from one to the other. So I also appreciate, appreciated that they at least acknowledged the fact that in Mexico, Soberano is one of the biggest heels out there now. So uh, very good. And after that, we had Zane, Archer, Suzuki, and Nagata. They defeated Alex Coughlin, Bad Luck Fale, Gabe Kidd, and Jack Bonza. Uh, Nagata took the long beating in this one, but it was a gotcha pile driver and the monster sauce bomb on Bonza to win. 
And afterwards, back in the back, Suzuki said he still doesn't like Nagata and uh, stormed out on him. Nagata just says, yeah, you know, I don't like him either. So I think they they tried teaming together. They got a little bit of success. And I think they decided they don't like it. I'm glad we got to see it. I don't think it's the last time it ever happens. I, I think that they're going to continue warming to each other. And this is going to be uh, Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau in a yes, lot of ways. I think uh, it is. I think they are going to reluctantly get stuck together in a lot of situations yes, just for the, yes. the, the, the light, you know, comedy with the storyline of these two just kind of grating on one another. They're I think putting that's a pin on it for now. And I think that we'll probably lean toward Suzuki and Narita. Uh, sometime early in the new year, that seems like an excellent feud for Narita to yeah. kind of have a stepping stone feud. So we're we're heading that direction. But you know, when it time comes, and uh, Eugene Nagata needed somebody to call, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Suzuki if we got to answer the call. Yeah, I think you're right, and I agree with you. By the way, I think Narita is going to run through both Desperado and Suzuki at some point. At some point, doesn't have to happen immediately, but at, at some point, that has to be done. Uh, and then after that, we had United Empire the, with Jeff Cobb, uh, who is back on this. He hadn't been on the World Tag League Tour. He's back. Uh, Newman, Great Okan, and Hanare. Uh, they defeated Ishii, uh, Yano, Loibe, and Nakashima. Uh, this was all uh, an angle match, basically. Six minutes, 55 seconds. It was just to get us to a point where uh, United Empire could beat on Ishii for a while and then challenge for the never-open-weight six-man titles. And uh, we'll be seeing that as part of the road to Wrestle Kingdom. I was really disappointed when I saw this. Really? Yes. You want to know why? Sure. Because I thought I was going to get this match at Battle of San Jose. No. Oh. I'm not getting this match <laughs> at Battle of San Jose. Okay. Well, I yeah. desperately want a Shii, Okada, and Tanahashi as a, uh, in a six man match yeah. uh, wrestling. That would be most excellent at San Jose. Oh, fair so enough. I was Sorry. bummed when they announced it for the road to New for Wrestle Kingdom instead of San Jose, and that's incredibly petty. But I am honest with myself that I can be petty sometimes. <laughs> After that, we had the House of Torture, so we got a, a two-match suite here, a little House of Torture uh, novella in the middle of this show here. So at first it was Narita and show, and they were going to wrestle Shoto Amino and Tiger Mask. So they, this whole thing was an angle again. It only went 37 uh, seconds, but uh, kind of. There was a bit of a buildup. So, show came out with Dick Togo and not with Ren Narita. He said, Narita refuses to wrestle these goofs, and he certainly doesn't want to wrestle in front of these people on Yamamoto. Just, you know, the total heel thing. He won't come out. Won't come in Kumamoto. Kumamoto. Let me get that correct. Short ball breaks out until Narita comes out and cheap shots Umino, then threw Tiger Mask in the ring. Once he was in the ring, he said, Hey, I'm here now with show. The match can start. The referee rings the bell. He hits the double cross on Tiger Mask pin. 37 seconds. And once again, the entire story is Shota wants to get his hands on Narita. Can't quite do it yet. That moves yeah. into the next match, which was Evil, Kanemaru, and Yujiro taking on Kiyomiya, Oiwa, and Honma. Now, anytime you know Honma's in a six-man match, you know who's losing it. <laughs> Evil pinned Honma here, and this was, again, more of an angle. It went about 11 minutes, though. House of Torture attacked afterwards. Now, Shota ran back out the entire House of Torture. So Narita was in there, too. Uh, Sho was in there from the previous match. And Shota ran back out, and he finally got a few shots in on Narita before Narita ran away. So it was just a little taster, a little tease 
before uh, more clashes with them, I'm sure we'll see them uh, tangle in Corican Hall and then go into the buildup there. But uh, this was the first time uh, that Shotomino was able to get a shot in anger in on Narita since the turn. So he went three or four days without being able to get his hands on him? Ugh. Had to be boiling. Had to be boiling. Got to be riding death at that point. <laughs> so let's see here. We've got uh, some things here. Uh, Colin mentions that uh, finally Nagata and Suzuki split. So there you go. But I don't think they're going to. I don't think. I think we're going to see more. I think we're going to see more. Dunstan says, I'm torn because I love the current trios champions. But do but UA do need something in 2024 when Osprey won't be around. Yeah, that's true. Uh, is, there, and, is there another person that can be the front man for United Empire without Osprey there? Do they bring somebody in? Do they do they just promote somebody from the faction of the guy? Do they just have Will be the leader and do two promotion work? What do you think? I mean, there, there's a lot of ways it could go. I almost wonder if, huh, boy, I mean, Okan is the, the best in terms of like storyline talking of the bunch. Uh, Hanare is probably the best wrestler uh, Cobb is great but he's not Cobb there full time Cobb. yeah, yeah cobb's the top Cobb's Cobb the top would be wrestler. if they wanted if if they said Cobb, we want you to be the guy Cobb would do it in a heartbeat you think so if so yeah. that if you can get him on a basically full-time basis and, and it, i mean i mean osprey has been bouncing around for a while back and forth and and not always been full-time and still the leader of the group I'd go with Cobb if I could get him. How about that? Okay. Uh, yeah. if, if the idea is Cobb is like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be around that much to do it, then uh, then it's really kind of a toss-up between Okan and Hanare, and you almost wonder if they should bring somebody in and yeah. just kind of make it. I'm wondering new... about whether you bring somebody in too uh, because they've got to be a guy that the, the New Japan audience believes is main event and can go at a main event pace. Even if they're not asked to be the main event guy immediately, in multiple cases and i think cobb could but he's also in a lot of ways to them unproven as weird as that sounds yeah, this is interesting dunstan just says i'm calling it right now shoda and ren will be at the noah new year's show before wrestle kingdom did they already announce all the cards for that yeah well right right in the comments there dunstan and tell me what uh, and I, I, honest question i want to listen to your answer to this why would they give another promotion that match for the first time in this sense, yeah, you know, I know they wrestled each other before, but it, with why would they? Why would another promotion get the first match in that feud? I'm honestly curious to hear why uh, you think they would uh, give that one away. Uh, I, I want to listen to your answer. I'm not trying to say that it would never happen. Uh, and then Dunson says Sheamus and Drew McIntyre would have been great. Boy, wouldn't it have been? <laughs> Either one of them. Uh, Drew Drew Galloway as uh, the leader of UE. That would they can't worked. afford him. No, they cannot. No, no they, they cannot. certainly cannot. Nor, nor Seamus, for that matter. And Probably and nor should and, and nor nor should either one of them leave WWE. By the way, but uh, yeah, I boy, that's that's one of the guys. I haven't man. seen Seamus in a while, though. He's one of my dream guys in the G1. Is uh, Drew Galloway? You know, he's, he wouldn't be Drew McIntyre in New Japan or Claudio. I've been saying Claudio should be in the G1 for a while. And uh, Colin would promote Cobb to UE. You know, if he if if he's willing to do it, I think he would do it. Uh, oh, there he is. Okay. He says, I don't mean match. Sorry. I meant that with House of Torture having a match on the card, Ren would be there and Shota would be there. Oh, they would show up to have an uh, angle there. Mm, okay. All sure. right. On board. I'm on board. Now we're back. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. I'm, I, I think that's a good idea. Okay. So where were we here? So we got that. Um, 
Oh, yeah. Tanahashi and Okada wrestled the Gates of Agony on this show here. Went 11 minutes, 54 seconds, of course. Uh, Tanahashi and Okada won this one. He hit the Rainmaker on Leona, which is a bit of a show of respect in and of itself, that it took a Rainmaker to do it. This was a good match. And what I'm saying here, Jeremy, is Gates of Agony can be one of those teams that gets lost in the AEW shuffle. Right now, I think almost everybody except four guys are lost in the AEW shuffle. But, boy, their style fits New Japan's strong style really well. They're a good New Japan tag team if you can get them, don't you? I'd, I'd bring Gates of Agony in as much as I possibly could. Their bruising style and things, I mean, it just fits in well with a company that's used Archer and Davy Boy, uh, the original Gorillas of Desti, Tamatanga and Tangaloa. Uh, the War Machine did well in New Japan. I think that Gates of Agony could be a team like that. I, too, would not mind to see a six-man match with the Gates of Agony and Brian Cage versus Okada, mm. Tanahashi, and Ishii at mm. the battle in the Valley in San Jose, which I also wondered after this match if that was going to happen because of the... Both of them were... They were all holding their six-man titles. Uh, all right. You know what I mean? Like, there was, there was that show of respect. We're both six-man champions. It could have gone either way. But I like to think that this match was deliberately set up for a reason. I, I like that idea a lot. Uh, and I like the idea of seeing the Gates of Agony in New Japan more. But as that tournament went on, they really blended in nicely. And I just mm -hmm. think, boy, this could be a really good New Japan tag team. And, of course, they weren't going to get the results. Uh, they were brought in so that they could mostly put over other people. That doesn't have to always be the case. So. I, this sounds silly, but I feel like they put the world in World Tag League in a yeah. lot of ways. Like, they were, they were part of the... Uh, the cultures that were different from traditional New Japan teams that would come in and wrestle in this kind of tournament. There was definitely yeah. a lot more variety this year than there was in the last few years. Yeah, and, and the freshness did help the tournament. I thought it overall was a pretty darn good tournament. And yeah. uh, Colin says that Noah show in the second should be great. Yeah, boy, it, it really has a really terrific lineup. Uh, there's going to be some good stuff from stardom going on that week. It just if, if you can be in Japan that week, and I know that I think what uh, Lyric uh, is, is going – there's so many good shows. So that, that week is going to be insane for, for wrestling. And there we're getting those two little pockets now. WrestleMania week, when everybody else does their big shows in the general area of WrestleMania, and it turns into a festival where you can see great matches for like five straight days. We're starting to get that in Japan, too. Uh, man, I want to go. I really want to go bad. I'm going to try to make it happen some year. But uh, moving on from that one, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, when uh, if, if we do get that six-person match, that would be terrific. After that, we had uh, the return of Tetsuya Naito to the ring. So this is the first time Naito's been back since he had a little minor eye surgery in November. I say minor eye surgery. I think only other people get minor eye surgery. I think any eye surgery is major. If it's you're only the one a tiny it. needle that's put into his eye. Not a big needle. <laughs> uh, Bushi, Shingo Takagi, Naito, and Yoda Suji, and Zandokan. So the whole uh, fan family there uh, defeated the just five guys. All five of them. Taka, Taichi, Sonata, Doki, and Uemura in 16 minutes and four seconds. Uh, there was just a little bit of Naito in there, just shaking off a little bit of rust. Uh, Bushi ended up hitting the MX on Taka to win. Zandokan was allowed to do the fist bump, with uh, the, but he's not a full-fledged LIJ member yet, but he was allowed to do the fist bump, which is really what the people wanted to see. It was a nice moment. And more staring between Uemura and Suji. <laughs> Naito and Sonata, just barely a tease there. We don't need much, do we? Uh, it, it'll be fine, but uh, Zandokan... They had different ways of marketing that match. Yeah. 
But uh, I like Zondokan too, by the way. Would would be happy to, if he came back. I thought he did a great job here too. So. I think we'll be uh we'll be excited when he's announced for Fantastic Mania. Oh yeah, yeah. I think a lot of these guys. I think we'll see this CMLL team back. A lot of re- a lot of uh, Volador Junior will not be the uh, most popular guy on this next this next time around. I don't think. Yeah, and what what they can do also, since they did that thing during backstage comments where Soberano ripped off Atlantis's mask, now you've just got a reason to have him back on the Rudo side, and all the New Japan fans mm-hmm. understand what's going on. So it was it was done correctly. All right, we'll see those guys again. World Tag League final was up next, and I hope you got comfortable for this one. It went forty minutes and thirty seconds. Goto and Yoshihashi against Phantasmo and Hikaleo. Once again, they followed the correct dynamic on this one. El Phantasmo did most of the selling on that. Uh, at the uh, 15 minute mark, a table was introduced by Phantasmo and Hikaleo, which was a bit of a surprise. They hadn't done a whole lot of that. And at the 20 minute mark, El Phantasmo hit his series of moonsaults, and Hikaleo hit a choke slam on Yoshihashi. But then he managed to get the knees up when El Phantasmo went for the big splash. Phantasmo hit a stun gun on Goto. Now I'm, I'm going through all these moves because I mentioned that this was at the 20 minute mark. And it seemed like we were getting close to the end because they were ah! <laughs> hitting big moves at each other. But we were only halfway through, uh, as it turns out. So they really teased us with the idea that this could finish any second. And then you put another 20 minutes on it. Hikaleo broke up a Shoto attempt at around the half hour mark. Once that time call came and went, it officially became the longest match in World Tag League history. We'd had some 30-minute draws over the years, including one this year. But the finals had never gone a half an hour. And, uh, of course, it's... Uh, no time limit in the finals. So this one uh, rolled on and broke that record. The table, Chekhov's table, kind of came back into play at 35-minute mark. Bishamon hit a Shoto on Ekaleo, threw it. And that thing was about as mean what, a Shoto part, as it could have been. Do you know what part of Hikaleo uh, broke that table? I believe it was the back of his head. It was the back of his head. And it went down hard. I think that was it for him in the match. I don't think he came back around. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, it was supposed to quote-unquote kill him off in that one there. Right, so that the, but the, that, the match went on for a significant amount of time afterwards, and he, he was done. And I I was, if the idea was to sell a head injury off of a table spot and incapacitate Hikaleo for the rest of the match, it was perfectly done. Yeah, and then uh, we had, uh, let's see here, I wanted to make sure I have this right. They, I don't you know, love him taking a head injury off the table off the side of the ring, let's be clear. Well, I don't think but it was... he seemed fine. So. Yeah, and I'm looking at this now. They named the new move. Yeah, the Abari Daiko. So this was the uh, this uh, they hit. Uh, excuse me, I, I got ahead of myself there. So Fantasmo hit his own own version of the Shoto on Goto. Hit Anushi Garoshi. So he was doing all the of their moves. Then he hit a CR two. So they were really building this thing like they were going to pull up the upset. But Goto kicked out. Uh, they managed to hit the, the the big super bulldog at the, about the 40-minute mark. And then this new move, which is like, a, as they say, Abare Daiko, which is like a beating drum, according to Yoshihashi. I like that. It's clever. Uh, for the three count there. And that made them the first three-time champions, first champs to win uh, World Tag League, like I've mentioned. So afterwards, there were handshakes. Bishamon acknowledged that it was now one-to-one. Yes, they had won the final, but El Fantasmo and Hikaleo beat them in block play therefore time for that rubber match so since they can call their own shot they decided to call that shot against a team they respected and that would be the team that uh, defeated them with honor earlier in the tournament the strong uh champions 
uh, all in all, it was a story that actually made sense that they would want to, one, win the three-match series. It was a team they liked, team they respected, fellow champions. Storyline-wise, Ghetto came up with a decent ending to this one that I didn't see coming. Yeah, no, uh, tied up all the loose ends fantastically. Let's be honest, these two teams are not getting 40 minutes at the Tokyo Dome. So no, no sure. Their, this was their Broadway in a lot of ways. This was their, their chance to get in a lot of the things that... You know, you weren't going to get a chance to do and let breathe uh, on January 4th. So good on them for doing it. It was a fantastic match. Um, I think I said it before and I'll say it again. Find find a promotion like, that loves a big man as much as New Japan loves Hikaleo. <laughs> they have put him in positions of prominence this entire year. He may not go all the way, but he went to... Uh, he went to post-block uh, post play in the G1. He went in the post-block play in this. He beat Kenta for the strong title. He's taken big moves. He's, he's taken the shot for New Japan. I remember one t- that Kenta match in which he lost, he went over the side of the railing of the steps and, like, took a fall. And it was, it was probably gnarlier than this match, but, but the guy, the guy is willing to do work. There was one. There was one spot in this match. I don't know if you mentioned it, but you know, uh, ELP and Hikaleo's finishing move is when he gets on the rope and jumps on uh, ELP jumps on Hikaleo's shoulder and does the super what muscle buster? It's, a, like it's, it's like a splash. Super just, the super splash. But I don't remember what it's called. Um, yeah, I mean, Hikaleo tried to do it. Yeah, that's true. I didn't mention. I should have mentioned that, and I didn't. Yeah, and. This is going to be something that's going to happen. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens to Tokyo Dome. Hikaleo tried to do the super, like, the super jump off of ELP's shoulders, but ELP was in the corner, and Hikaleo got on the top rope. And he made the jump, and he mm-hmm. landed right on his knees. Yeah, and it yeah. looked like it hurt so bad. <laughs> Don't do that too much. That's all I'm asking. Don't do that too much. But uh, so, that is yeah. that was a fantastic moment and committed to my memory. And uh, Dunstan says, Zanacan Jr. is like Bad Dude Tito. He needs to be in the mix for New Japan next year. I'd be happy to what see him. Bad, bad Dude Tito in a match. We want to see, <laughs> see Tito. We want to see Big Teats more. And We've Callum not seen Bad Dude Tito and Zanacan in the same place at the same time. <laughs> bit different build. Bit different build. Uh, Colin says, the Bishamon three-peating didn't really do it for me. I like them, but have another team win for a change. We, again, we talked about this one. I think that they're just trying to make them into the tag team Mount Everest there for other teams to climb up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, plus they're a homestead team, so they'd like to protect those guys. Here's my question for you, Jeremy. Yeah. I believe that New Japan's most improved wrestler of the year was in this tournament, whoever it is. Is it Hikaleo? And here's what I'm saying. He's really good now. And I know that Gabe Kidd was the first person that came to mind to think of most improved. Here's the here's my case for Hikaleo on this. For the we year knew, for the tournament. For the year. We knew the kid was a most improved wrestler. We knew that kid was good, but he just hadn't really been pushed. I don't think a year ago we knew Hikaleo was going to be good necessarily. Uh, now he's had a, a good G1 run, a finalist World Tag League. I think we knew that Hikaleo had potential, but we weren't sure he was going to be a good wrestler. I think Gabe Kidd last year was already good. He just hadn't been pushed. So is Hikaleo the most improved wrestler because he went from someone like, hmm, maybe, you know, I mean, the guy's got a little bit of talent or something like that into somebody who is legitimately really good right now. I think he might be the most improved wrestler of the year. 
So you're arguing whether it's more important that if the steps that you made as a most valuable wrestler were smaller, but at a higher tier, like it gave kid, like he didn't, he didn't grow by the leaps and bounds that Hikaleo did, but Gabe kid, even on, I don't want to, this is going to sound terrible the way I said, but I, I have to just be blunt. Even on Gabe kid's best day right now, Hikaleo is not as good as Gabe kid, mm. but Hikaleo, the improvement that he made from the beginning of the year to the end of the year versus the improvement that Gabe Kidd made from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. This is the amount of improvement yeah. Gabe I'm Kidd saying made. That, this I'm is the, the amount kid, of improvement like Hikaleo made. Kidd was already good. He's just mm-hmm. being good in and, – and he's better. He's better. Yeah. But he's being good in a more prominent position. Hikaleo went from, I don't know if he's good, to, oh, yeah, he's really good. Um, if you were to give an award of most likely to main event next year, I would <laughs> lean towards Gabe Kidd. If you were to do a most improved, I would do Hikaleo. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, there's just some things I was thinking about as we watched this. So, going on from there now. Uh, so, again, we've got that match coming up at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, let's look at the road to Wrestle Kingdom show at Corrigan Hall because we have a couple of stops to make before we get there. So, <laughs> December 21st has... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're looking at it for the folks that are on the podcast now we have a picture here where uh bishamon is at it's a press conference it's a press conference for bishamon bishamon is uh, you know uh, is looking good in their iwgp tag team champions where leather jacket fly outfit looking good elp and hikaleo who showed up to the halloween press conference as burton ernie are standing here in this press conference dressed like christmas elves and i'm all about it it's tremendous. And I just went full screen for everybody, all the folks yeah. at home. As you should. So there is that. So, okay. So Road to Wrestle Kingdom, December 21st at Corrigan Hall. We will have uh, two big matches there uh, to, to finish it up. It'll be the Never Open Weight six-man match with Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii defending against the Great Okan, Hanare, and Jeff Cobb. That should be a terrific match. We are also getting a King of Pro Wrestling match. Now, we have the stipulations that will be voted on Tomorrow, starting tomorrow, uh, for three days, it is Yoshinobu Kanemaru challenging Taichi for the King of Pro Wrestling provisional title. Kanemaru's rules are low blows are legal and the removal of the corner pads are legal, but only for Kanemaru. So, <laughs> so my question is, if, th- if this ends up winning, shouldn't Taichi just wear armor? That's all I'm asking. Just get you just get flat out go full blown suit of armor in the in the crotch. But uh, Taichi's rules is a whiskey bottle ladder match. He said that he and Kanemaru have been drinking buddies for a long time. The relationship started with alcohol, and it should end with alcohol. It's very poetic. That uh, that that stipulation totally gonna win. It sounds like a blues song in the making. Yeah, this feels like they've kind of tanked this to make sure that uh, Taichi's rules win. But that will be the rest of the uh, the lineup. Do you want to go through that real quick? Absolutely do. So that is going to be, uh, let's see, we have Thursday, December 21st. Yep, I'm going to make sure I have it right here, too. Uh, We have a, (laughs) yeah, so we have the LIJ team. This is Naito, Suji, and Bushi taking on, uh, that's a Doki, Uemura, and Sanada in our preview. So that's one. We will have Desperado and Satoshi Kojima as a team against Hiromu Takahashi and Shingo Takagi. And then we'll have the 
Master Wato, Honma, and Shota Umino match against Evil, Ren Narita, and Sho. I don't like Honma's chances in this one, but I think we might get a little bit of aggressiveness here between uh, Narita and Umino. I don't think so at all. I think I think Ren's going to duck him the entire match. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think he's going. I think he'll probably get a little bit in on one of these uh, nights. Only if they're not facing off against each other the next day. Okay. And then after that? We have, ah, Francesco Akira and TJP are back. So catch 2-2, teaming with Callum Newman against the returning Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney, who are teaming with Ghetto. And then we have this one. This is uh, interesting here. So I, I've got some in- information on this one, Jeremy. I, I know you're fascinated by it. We will have Tiger Mask and Toro Yano on one side. On the other side, we will have, get ready for this one, uh, the Masked Horse, which is Ryusuke Taguchi, uh, playing a character who was abandoned by his parents and raised by horses. And then he his cool. partner is a mystery man shrouded in secrecy, nothing but a silhouette, who is listed as Masked Bolton. I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> I honestly mystery. didn't know what you were going to say. I just grabbed the image and went for it. So you caught me off guard. <laughs> Masked Bolton. I just, I don't know. Who could it be? Who could it be now? Who could it be now? So yes, he is uh, Taguchi. Raised, he's he's played this character before, in this around this time of year. He's done it at Dash. He's done it sometimes in these shows leading up to the Dome here, where he's a a horse. He usually comes out with one of those old school horses on the the stick that kids in like the fifties rode around on, or not rode around on. He just kind of jumped around with a stick between your legs and a horse head. Those creepy ass things. What I'm talking about. Yep. 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 All right. Not not go. the nightmare fuel I wanted to introduce on the show right now, but hey, I'm here with you. <laughs> I know it's so weird, but there it is. All right, Friday I will say I will say this actually has the last couple of matches before Wrestle Kingdom because the show on the 21st. It's a completist show. If you mm-hmm. want to watch everything on New Japan Pro Wrestling, watch this show. But I am going to get the distinct sense that there might be an angle or two, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot going on on this final night go-home show. for. Yeah, the, fi- the final night show does not have this lineup at the first one there. So uh, Dunstan mentions this one. Taichi might as well save some of his you-know-what in a cup before this match if he wants kids. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I think the other stipulation is going to win, but I think there's going to be at least a few low blows in that one, or else they wouldn't have brought it up. So I think that's going to be the storyline. So on the 22nd now, this is the last match before the Tokyo Dome. Uh, we have Uemura, Taichi, and Sanada from Just Five Guys faking, facing faking, facing Suji, Takagi, and Naito. So one more preview there. And then we have this one, which is uh, interesting here. We have Okada and Tanahashi facing Zack Sabre Jr. and Kosei Fujita. So, of course, that's the preview of Tanahashi and uh, Sabre. Uh, Okada can't have a preview match because he's going to be wrestling Danielson at uh, the Tokyo Dome. So uh, Fu- uh, uh, Fujita gets the nod here. In, uh, a big, if you, if big you stage look run. a little bit, if you look a little bit, Fujita kind of looks like Danielson. No. <laughs> no. Got the little hair, got the hair tied no. back. No, it doesn't. You know, uh, Dunstan says. Wiry little frame. Dunstan no. says it is kind of concerning that Osprey, Tama, Mox, and Finlay aren't on the road two shows to add any extra angles before Wrestle Kingdom. I'll, they were I'll say never that. going to be. No, and I I don't think that they need any extra angles. I mean, to me, the Okada and Danielson sells itself. Uh, Moxley is always over in Japan. 
Finlay, I'm a little surprised that Finlay's not going to get some wins here, but maybe they just don't want to fly people over for two shows. I don't know. Again, we know we're talking about, you know, money might be tight. They might just not want to fly those guys over for two shows and just figure we'll just go to the dome. They might, maybe we'll get some video comments from them. That's possible. After that one, we have TJP in a special challenge match against Clark Connors. I mean, tune up before their junior heavyweight match, but... You know, this is, politely speaking, this is the middle of a card of a strong show. Yeah, a little bit. And after that, we have uh, Francesco Akira and Drilla Maloney. So the other also half of Also the middle of a card of a strong show. And it's also the other half of that preview. And then yeah. the other one is uh, interesting that Master Wato is in this one. El Desperado and Master Wato against Hiromu and Bushi. There. So that's uh, another preview of the junior heavyweight title match and a guy who keeps kind of getting himself into position. Is Wado Desperado gonna de- deconstruct like everybody else's? I don't know. Yeah, or are well, they gonna stay friends? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find out. Interesting that he's in there though. And then, uh, of course, then we have Bishamon uh, in a tune-up. I would say against Nakashima and Oscar Loibe. Uh, yeah, man, if they were facing heels, I would almost say angle alert on this one. But I think this might just be a workout for Bishamon. I think it's just a workout for Bishamon. Tomohiro Ishii will face Callum Newman. Rest in peace, Callum. Yeah, nice knowing you, buddy. And then once again, we have uh, Taguchi and Masked Bolton against Yano, and this time he's bringing Yo with him. So it'll be Yano and Yo in this one instead of Tiger Mask. So there, there you have it. <laughs> I hope he finds his parents soon. I. It's been years. It's been years. He's been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, okay, now let's run down what we have for the Dome so far. What is official? Again, this is right off the New Japan website. We expect more to be added. Uh, we'll just go over this here. I don't know if you have uh, I just graphics. have the two that were added. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'll just run them down here. So we have uh, the new uh, match here, the IWGP and Strong Openweight Championship match between Bishamon, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo. After that, we will also have, well, not after that. We don't know the order. These are also not in order. They haven't announced that yet. We have the IWGP Global Heavyweight Championship match to inaugurate the, this new title. Three-way match, Will Ospreay, John Moxley, and David Finlay. We have a never openweight title match, Tamatanga versus Shingo Takagi. A world TV title match, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Zack Sabre Jr. Junior Heavyweight Championship match, El Desperado against Hiromu Takahashi. And then the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. That's Catch 2-2, Akira and TJP facing Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors. After that, we have a special singles match, the Shut Up and Take My Money match again, Brian Danielson against Kazushika Okada, and the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match, Sonata facing Tetsuya Naito. That's what we have so far. We expect a little bit more before uh, we get there. I got a question for you, Stephen. This hmm. is not on our. This is not on our very loose notes before the show. But you what's the difference what between the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Global Heavyweight Championship? What's the difference? Yeah, is that what you're asking? Oh well, I mean, like I said, I, like they made the they made a world title and a universal title and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 a word. It to me, it is a distinct. Uh, move in the direction of this title will be traveling to these other promotions. Okay. You know, so we're going to be working with again, and this might all be words that remember we said all this stuff about the women being in a prominent spot on some of these shows and that never worked out. 
We don't know how this is going to work out. Wrestling promotions tend to work with other wrestling promotions when it helps them. And only until then, you know, and, and only then. So we'll see how this spirit of cooperation continues. I think the idea as we sit here today is that this is the belt that's going to go and make appearances maybe in AEW or CMLL or Ring of Honor or Rev Pro or what, you know, in this great little spirit of cooperation we got going, this is the belt that could travel the world literally and be the one defended at all these different shows as we're all singing Kumbaya until they aren't. Do you think it's a 1A and a 1B or a 1 and a 2? Oh, it's it's 1 and 2. I, I don't think the global title is going to be as important. They always protect their top title sure. more than the others. The only time that got sort of interrupted, that continuum was a bit interrupted, is something we're about to talk about when we look back at Naito. And that's about the only time, and they really haven't let that happen since. <laughs> so, right. uh, And uh, Bill Bird just mentions that the world title will be Japan only. Uh, you know, m- maybe not necessarily only in Japan, but I think for those big shows, Dontaku, Dominion, Kingdom, all around the, you know, as we get through these big shows in Japan, I do think the IWGP World Heavyweight title is going to be the top belt. I don't think we're going yeah. to be seeing that go underneath a global title at all. I, I I would be shocked. shocked. It's not that I wanted to ask to see what you would say, but I feel like with the podcast that we have sometimes, it's important to make these delineations so that people listening and don't quite understand what the titles and where they're, what their hierarchy is inside of New Japan and what it means. They've seen Will Ospreay with the UK-US title for near the whole year and last year outside of Omega, and they see it's a big deal, but sometimes you just need that clarification of just how much of a big deal is the title that Will Ospreay has slash is defending versus the IWGP world title. Well, as we get closer to Wrestle Kingdom, we're certainly going to be previewing all that. And we're going to talk about who might win that. Uh, I, I think you can make a case for all three, and we'll bring those mm-hmm. cases up. Uh, Bill does think that the global title is staying on Osprey. Could very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, so, it's very um, there's a couple of new notes before we talk about that flashback match. I got a, I got one on yeah. Kushida. Uh, what see. you got? Uh, Kushida. Let's see. I got it. Ah, there we go. Kushida has signed with TNA Wrestling, the new rebranded Impact Wrestling, back to its old roots TNA. Hmm. But here's the interesting thing. From the reports that I read, not only is he going to be able to wrestle in TNA, his contract allows him to also wrestle in New Japan. So Hmm. his arrangements of working with Kevin Knight and doing uh, junior heavyweight work with them, when he's in Japan, he's with New Japan. When he's in the States, he is with TNA Wrestling. Okay. All right, and well, then we we have let's see this sad bit of news. Yeah, Osamu Kido. I'm going to talk about him for just a little bit. Now, this is a guy who is one of the original New Japan Pro Wrestling stars, Osamu Kido, and he didn't really get to the main event level, but he was always a guy that was in an important spot with New Japan. And so, I'm going to go to my notes on him because I, I looked this up. He passed away December 11th uh, at uh, the age of 73. He debuted all the way back in the JWA days, Japanese Wrestling Association, 1969 was his uh, debut. And when Enoki was expelled from JWA because they caught wind that he was forming New Japan, <laughs> and they, they fired him early, uh, Enoki, uh, Akito went with Enoki. Uh, Akito decided. So at this point, JWA was fracturing. 
uh, a group of guys went off with Enoki, formed New Japan. A group of guys went off with Shohei Baba and formed All Japan. And then there were some scraps and JWA kind of stumbled along for a little while, having been stripped of most of its important roster. Uh, but uh, it was a dead promotion walking at that point. Kido went with Enoki. He was on the very first New Japan show uh, back on March 6th of 1972. He lost to uh, Ivan Komarov on that one. And uh, he trained with Carl Gotch in Florida, and they developed a deep bond. Uh, he even called Gotch his uh, quote-unquote father, you know, my wrestling father. And Gotch called him his wrestling son, you know, within the industry. Like, that's how tight those two were, which would come into play later. He stayed with New Japan a long time. He didn't leave until he went to the original UWFI in 1984, mostly because Gotch was involved with it. So the original UWFI was a worked shoot promotion. They marketed themselves like it was pro wrestling rules except real. That's how they marketed themselves. It wasn't real. It was worked. But it was a worked shoot promotion right there. And... Uh, but uh, he went with them, and that was a, uh, and several guys did from uh, New Japan, went to that promotion. And he was there all through 1985. And then when that company did not make it, when it folded, the guys came back to New Japan, and they did what is one of the very early invasion angles, where the UWFI guys came back into New Japan and sort of you know went after Inoki, Fujinami, Kengo Kimura, all the top baby faces there. And let me tell you, Jeremy, if you go back and once this stuff is back up on New Japan World, the archives, take a look at the heat in that rivalry when the UWFI guys came back and uh, you know messed with the the classic lineup of uh, New Japan. That was some hot. That was a hot program. Now, if you look back through this guy's matches here, 1986, when he came back, he was working with guys like Hulk Hogan, uh, Mike Sharp, who was uh, Iron Mike Sharp was actually a big deal. And he was big in Japan uh, because, uh, you know, his uh, father and uncle were one of the original stars of Japanese wrestling uh, facing Ricky Dozan. Uh, he was in there with Bret Hart, Black Tiger. Uh, and I, again, I mentioned the the native stars there was, was like Inoki, Fujinami, Ma even Mass Superstar when he came over. So he was always in that mix, but he and Maeda won the world tag team title, uh, flipping him back and forth with Fujinami and Kimura in 1986. That was about it for his championship runs. But if you look at who his opponents were, he was almost always in with the top guys, but he wasn't the guy that got the belts. So that was kind of a thing there. Uh, it was a critical feud for New Japan, by the way, that UWFI thing. And uh, when they rebooted it in 1988, they tried to do it again, uh, UWFI. Uh, he stayed behind and stayed with New Japan at that point because Gotch was not involved. That was really out of That was how much he and the and Gotch had formed a bond. When Gotch went to UWFI, he went. When Gotch wasn't with UWFI, stayed back with New Japan. So, uh, yeah. And uh, after that, Father Time kind of caught up with him. In the, the 90s, by the middle of the decade, he was the veteran putting people over in tournaments like the G1. So we would see that with Tenzan and, you know, Nagata, where they would enter the G1 and score two points or four points and things. He was that guy there in the mid 90s. When he retired in 2001, he took a job training wrestlers in the NJPW dojo. So Shinsuke Nakamura uh, has always credited Kido with uh, a lot of his training. That generation of guys trained up by uh, Kido in uh, the dojo right there. So, uh, yeah, he just passed away a few days ago, but an original New Japan star and somebody who helped train some of the guys 
who's made this current era of New Japan what it is. Condolences to his loved ones and thanks for all the memories in the ring. Yeah. And uh, if you go back and see, he was a hell of a good wrestler. He was a hell of a good wrestler. But uh, when you had. They put some, some stuff up there on New yeah. Japan World already. So yeah. if and you're interested, there are a couple of there are a couple of match samplers out there just to see what he was all about. But if you look at the other guys who were on top, boy, that was a uh, that was that was a concrete ceiling to crash through. Some of the all time greats were on mm -hmm. top when he was there. So, you know, he, he got to, he got as far as he would go. So speaking of looking back, there were a couple of things on New NJPW World. We mentioned that we were going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom eight this week. And I wanted to get your impressions of it here, Jeremy. I also wanted to mention something else they put up there. It involves the Naito Sonata stuff. They put up a little thing. I think it's on the freeze section. But Both it's on the, YouTube. Yeah, okay, good. There is footage, it's really cool, of the 2005 Corican Hall tryout that produced Naito and Yoshihashi. Sonata was also there at 17 years old. And you can kind of see them doing some drills. Then it kind of goes through Naito and Sonata's career. But, of course, Sonata wasn't selected. He was not picked. Uh, Naito and Yoshihashi were. But he had to go to All Japan with Muto. That's mm -hmm. where Muto was at the time in order to uh, get trained in uh, fully in pro wrestling. But it is very interesting. There's some fun footage there of these two guys' careers going Don't on. Don't undersell it, man. They they did a masterful job of cutting footage between a bunch of different promotions and a bunch of different timelines. It would skip back and forth throughout the year. So you go 2005, 2006, 2011, 2012, 2014. 2016, when uh, Sonata and Naito, you know, LIJ, and he won, he won the title, and Sonata helped him win the title. All of these moments that happened throughout the years, they tied it together to tell you, like, yes, these two meeting at Wrestle Kingdom is, in fact, a big deal, and here's why. It, yes. is, it is something that uh, more promotions need to do to bang the drum for these big matches. Absolutely. And Dunstan mentions that video made me very interested in the main event more than the preview matches. Oh, oh yeah. This, it, well, yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, when you see this, you'll be like, oh, okay. There, there are more parallels with these guys than I thought. Plus, it's just fun seeing these guys. Naito, when he's 23 years old and not a wrestler yet, and he's in phenomenal shape. Good grief. I mean, you, you see him trying to do the, you see the other guys trying to do the drills that Naito is just knocking out. Uh, he just really put it out of the park. Did a great job. And it's fun to see these guys lined up together, Naito, Yoshihashi, and Sonata, as not even full-blown trainees yet. And uh, all three are now main event guys for him. So, yeah. What do you think so of you Wrestle wanna, Kingdom 8? want to go to the rest of the flashback, flashback Thursday? <laughs> yeah, you want to do the Wrestle Kingdom 8 thing? Sure, let's do it. All right. So, Wrestle Kingdom 8. Now, we mentioned uh, last time we talked about his match at Wrestle Kingdom 6 against Kaiji Muto. Or the Great Muda, rather. Uh, and uh, same guy, just which, which depends on the gimmick. Naito missed Wrestle Kingdom 7 due to a knee injury. He had reconstructive knee surgery in uh, October, so by the time January came around, was not anywhere near uh, ready to come back. So he missed Wrestle Kingdom 7. Came back, at, came back and won the G1 tournament. Still the babyface, still the stardust genius, Tetsuya Naito, at this point. Kazuchika Okada was the champion and was doing fine as champion, but there was something else going on. Shinsuke Nakamura had taken the Intercontinental title and had made it his own thing. And the way Nakamura held that title, the way he defended that title, 
you actually got a legitimate rivalry for which belt was the top one. When it came around to Wrestle Kingdom time, they booked Nakamura with Tanahashi. This created a bit of an issue because both of those guys were not the world heavyweight champ. Well, it wasn't the world heavyweight champ. It was just the IWGP mm -hmm. championship back then. They weren't that. Okada was. But Nakamura and Tanahashi were bigger stars. And what you had was this issue where uh, Naito had won the G1. Therefore, he challenges Okada. And it didn't land with a thud. That's not fair. When you hear people say that and you go back and watch the footage, it wasn't landing with a thud. But Nakamura and Tanahashi was a bigger deal. So they had a fan vote. And the which match should be the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 8? It was a critical moment for Naito. And while it had to be devastating at the time, it was the best thing that ever happened to him. The Intercontinental title match got more than twice the votes that the world title match did. And it signaled that there was something missing from Naito. And the key to that, though, is that he was not... It wasn't that he wasn't over. The crowd liked him, but it didn't like him the way they could. Right. It wasn't Something quite was at missing. that level. Something like was there, missing. There was an X factor, like the special sauce was missing in ingredient. And so, as we went into Wrestle Kingdom 8, the semi-main event, it was billed as a double main event, but we all know that the main event in Japan goes on dead last. Mm -hmm. Second from the top, this one was Okada and Naito. What you got here was uh, Wrestle Kingdom 8 was very interesting, by the way. If you want to go back and look, I have a couple of little notes. Uh, Sho and Yo are the young lions at ringside on this one. So yeah, two years before that, that it was Hiromu and Fale. Well, now Hiromu and Fale were on the show. Were, well, Hiromu wasn't on this one. He was on excursion. Uh, mm -hmm. he, Hiromu wrestled as a young lion uh, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 7. So Yo got the young lion match at this one. Show didn't, but he was at ringside. And then the other thing was, after uh, uh, Kota Ibushi defeated uh, Prince Devitt, you know, Finn Balor, for the junior heavyweight title, El Desperado debuted with that gimmick. Came out for the very first time with a guitar case and handed a bouquet of black roses to the new champion, uh, signaling that he was coming after him. So just a couple little notes of guys that are important now uh, making their first steps back then. As the match came in, Jeremy, I noticed a much cockier attitude with Okada in this one. Yes. Just a little bit of a sneer, a little bit of a smirk. Chaos were flat-out heels back then uh, mm -hmm. in their way, although people liked Nakamura because he was so cool. But for the most part, uh, Chaos were heels, and, and Okada came out with a manager, which hardly anybody did in Japan at Ghetto. And uh, he had this little uh, smirky attitude. For Naito, again, we're getting the Stardust genius Naito. So more gregarious little smiling, working the crowd more than the aloof, tranquilo one. That hadn't really taken effect yet. All the moves are there, aside from the Destino. He didn't have the Destino yet, but he did the uh, he did Gloria. He did uh, the Combinacion Cabron. It just wasn't called that bad yet. Uh, his big finish was a Stardust Press. He tried it, and he missed it. And, uh, and it again, wasn't even – there were a few minutes left in that match, and he didn't hit it. He didn't even try for it yet. Yeah, this was a hell of a good wrestling match. It was much better than the Muto match two years earlier because yes. Okada was simply in a better place physically than than the great Muto was, and he could do more, and Naito could do more with him, and this was a really good match right there. And another thing to note, that Bushi, 
pre-LIJ was in Naito's corner. So those two were allies as baby faces. Bushi's outfit uh, looked a little more red and green uh, than the now, uh, but uh, he was there in uh, Naito's corner, which again yes. led to the logic of him joining LIJ. Uh, Naito was his friend before that. So a terrific match. It did end with a rainmaker. But I want again, I want to listen to the crowd because I don't think it's a fair criticism of Naito to say he just wasn't over because that crowd was into that match. Just wasn't at the level of it was to Nakamura and Tanahashi. What did you notice about this one? I thought that Naito looked as much in his prime that I've ever seen him in this match. Like he was crisp, he was moving fast. I honestly thought he looked better than Okada in this match. And I've, in a lot of times I've seen these two go together, I've always felt that Okada was the physically superior athlete of the two. And in this match, it was clear to me that Naito was, I don't know, it was clear, but it appeared to me that he was more experienced and comfortable in the ring. And we were still working with an Okada that while confident he had not reached his full potential yet and once he had reached that potential he is almost untouchable in the ring but he's not there yet and there are a lot of things that you see him doing this match to their signatures at the time and in the future uh so on and so forth but when you're watching it here it just feels it feels fresh and new, even though you're watching it as a flashback, because you you're kind of watching Okada feel out how he's doing these moves in a big moment. Yeah. Um, hitting that drop kick near the end, <laughs> for example, uh, it was a perfect moment. But you're almost like, is he going to hit the drop kick? And when he hit it, everybody knew it was the perfect moment to hit the drop kick. But there was almost that sense of is he are 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 is the moment going to hit right, mm-hmm. kind of thing? And that was how I was watching this match, and I was I really liked this match, Stephen. I thought it was a fantastic match, and it's uh, one of one of the Naito matches that uh, in a main event level that I have preferred more than anything else. Because uh, when I jumped into New Japan later on in like 2016, he was doing things that were a lot riskier and uh, more daredevil. And this was more, this was more of a traditional main event style, taking into account his time uh, around the world. So I just, I like this Naito at this moment in time uh, for what he could do work rate. This would lead to a rethinking of, Tetsuya Naito. And as the year went on, the crowd started turning on him a little bit and they decided to lean into it hard. And he started to taunt the crowd just a tiny bit. Then, of course, he went off to a tour that took him through Mexico. And while he was in Mexico, he joined up with uh, La Sombra, uh, who is now uh, Andrade Alidolo. He joined up with Rouge in uh, the Ingobernables faction. He came back with a totally new presentation, totally new attitude and a full-blown heel turn as the ingobernable uh, Naito and became the most over heel in New Japan. It's important to remember the people hated him when he came back and would spend <laughs> forever taking his outfit off and all of his ring gear and things. It absolutely, the way it drives 
people crazy, the way it drives heels crazy now and makes the fans cheer, the fans hated him when he first came back from that very, very over thing. And it's funny how that thing has swung the other direction because uh, Naito was just so freaking charismatic. And uh, But this was an important match, and I know it had to hurt to be told that your match is the less popular of the two right there. There's just no doubt about that. But my goodness, setting it off to rethinking him, getting that over as a heel. And, of course, when you get over in one direction, it's a pendulum. And as over as you'll get as a heel, that's how over you get as a babyface. And he has been one of the most popular wrestlers in company history uh, over the past few years and uh, well-deserved. You see the hints of it there, but uh, it would set it all in motion. We, uh, we'll do the callback to that video that we talked about that's on YouTube and New Japan World for free with Naito and Sonata. But there were clips from this match in that video, including when Okada walks out with Ghetto and Naito is left lying at the end of the match. And it moves towards uh, a similar scenario with Sonata, I think, with Mudo over in All Japan around the same time. So really interesting the way that they intersperse the timelines between the two. So next week, we are going to be covering Okada and Naito at Wrestle Kingdom 14, uh, which was one of their next matchups at the Tokyo Dome. They have had other matches, but we're sticking with the Tokyo Dome theme, big Naito matches. This is the next one up. We are super excited to be covering that as well. And I think that's going to cover it for most of the coverage. Now we just got a little bit of uh, fine-tuning information uh, as we move forward with this uh, show on the channel. As you may well know, the Patreon for FightGameMedia.com is ending, but the YouTube channel is not. So we will be remaining here for the foreseeable future, Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on the YouTube channel, Speaking of Strong Style. We also have our own dedicated audio feed. And the link to that will be found in the YouTube channel with the show notes. So whenever you're looking for the audio feed of this show and you want to switch to that at some point, I we will make sure that that can, and you want to listen to this in audio after the fact, we'll make that accessible for you. In addition to that, the audio feed will contain a link for the YouTube channel so you can watch us live at any time. And so your carrier system for this show Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can find your major podcast, and the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. Pour one out for the Patreon. Live a good life, but after next week, it won't be here anymore. Yeah, indeed. So once again, we want to thank everybody for joining us here. Uh, don't forget about Power Bombshells, our sibling show, uh, on uh, Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Live recap shows on the channel as well for major events. Yeah, the boom, all this kind of stuff. we got a lot of great coverage still. Uh, we're just changing things up a little bit on that end of it. If you have a friend that is New Japan uh, curious, by all means, uh, word of mouth is a wonderful way to help uh, grow. We hear either here on the podcast, uh, rate us, uh, leave us a review, uh, like and subscribe. All those things help. Uh, they really do, and uh, it helps us uh, with the show. And, and we love the feedback, and we enjoy it. And uh, we do have a couple of things before we go here that uh, Colin mentioned. I uh, mentioned this last week. Is the main event fan vote definitely not. not a thing anymore? No, no, we're not doing that. It's going to be Sonata and Naito finishing uh, out uh, on top there. So with that in mind, want to thank everybody for joining us. Next week, we will be looking at the road to, uh, to Wrestle Kingdom, those shows. I guess we'll have one in the books. We'll have one to talk about and one to preview. Oh, okay. The good, cool. the good news is 
uh, the, it's the 21st, so it'll be uh, that same day, but it's the important one. It's the one with the KOPW one and the never open weight six man one. We'll talk all about that. And then uh, we've got uh, more plans coming on as Tokyo Dome gets even closer. Can't wait. So uh, anything else you want to add, Jeremy, before we go? No, we got a couple of plans in place for uh Wrestle Kingdom coverage coming up and we'll, uh, we'll preview that with you and we finalize that next week, but we are excited. We're three weeks out from Wrestle Kingdom, guys. We're three weeks out from Stephen Conway's birthday. <laughs> We're three weeks out from the kettle chips, guys. Oh, the my kettle God. chips. <laughs> oh, I can taste them already. So for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you once again for watching and listening to Speaking of Strong Style. We'll talk to you again very soon.